0: except for one part of creation, not a beast, not an animal, Adam. Now, Adam has the ultimate authority. The devil does not. The devil wants it. Remember, this is a a battle for power, and it's a battle for worship. Remember, I said Adam is going to, because of the fall, lose his authority, because the war is going to be over worship, and when Jesus comes back, he is going to be reclaiming that authority, ultimately. So, in chapter 13 of Revelation, in verse 15, we see the same kind of thing going on here. It continues saying, the second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak. Just like in the garden, we see that the devil can speak through this serpent. Okay? Okay? He goes on and caused all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their hands, their right hands, or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. I think too often when we read these verses, what we focus on is, wow, there's a lot of people being killed. Oh, I don't want to have that mark. Right? What is the mark? We we keep kind of getting sidetracked over the real issue here. The real point is this. The devil has no authority. In the garden, he did not have authority until it was given to him by Adam. Right now, in your life, the devil has no authority unless you give it to him. Because of Jesus in you. Remember yesterday we talked about that the disciples were given that authority. That they were amazed that the demons would submit to the name of Jesus even. Right? That they could cast them out. That's the kind of authority. But hear me. He has no authority over you. This is one of the purposes of the Ten Commandments. You see, guys, when God gave you commandments, He wasn't trying to be a killjoy. He was saying, I'm giving you these commandments to protect you. It's like an umbrella. And if you step outside of that umbrella, now what? Now the rain can hit. Now Satan has been given authority, given permission to attack. It's when we are disobedient that he has that permission. It was when Adam was disobedient that he was given the authority. But he has none without that. He has no authority to force you to worship him. Could the snake, could the serpent force Adam and Eve to worship the snake? Could not, could they? You see, this is why the Bible says we're not to fear those that can kill the body, but we're to fear the ones who can kill the soul. There is no authority unless we give it to him. You see, he can can kill the body, but he can't take your heart. We even read in Job, remember God said you you can't kill him. You can't do that. Then later he says, okay, you can touch him, but you still can't kill him. You have to be willing to give your heart to the devil. You have to be willing... To give him that authority and i can't stress how important this is the other thing is i want you to understand is that if you choose willingly to worship that beast to worship that dragon to worship hasatan satan if you choose to do that you become marked did you sketch that in revelation all of those it didn't matter their social status Okay. It says all those, he said, great and small, rich and poor, to receive a mark. He forced them. Why? Because they had already given them their heart. And when you give Satan your heart, you are marked. Now, remember I said Satan always imitates everything that God does, right? Because God has also done that very thing. You are either going to be marked for the devil or you will be marked for God. Deuteronomy tells us this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Isn't that interesting? Where does this go? Where does the mark of the commandments go? On your hand and on your forehead. Where does the mark of the beast go? When you choose to worship him, when you give him authority, what happens? There is a mark put on your forehead or on your hand. There is a direct correlation to this, whomever you choose to willingly serve. Note that love is connected with obedience. The other day I was talking about the devil's grace. How the church has, has kind of, we've kind of put the Ten Commandments and the law of God over in a corner, swept it under a rug. We don't want to talk about it because we don't want to give you the impression that there's anything that you can do to be saved. Because it's by grace you've been saved through faith. I agree with that statement, by grace you've been saved through faith. But I don't agree with sweeping the commandments under the rug. Because you see, the commandments were never intended to get you in God's good graces. The commandments have always been an act of love for God because you have been saved. But today the church has got this weird idea that the commandments are these things that you do to be a good Christian, to earn your way up. No, it's not. Not only is it not to earn anything, but it doesn't make you a better Christian. What makes me a Christian isn't how many of the commandments I can keep, it's whether I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, period. But I obey God because that is my form of worship. Today, we often have worship music, don't we? What's, when you think of worship music, what do you think? You probably think of this, right? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But I'm telling you this. Go look up the word worship in the Bible. Every time. Go find it. You know, what the, you know what worship is? This. They fall down on their face. They get down on their knees. And they worship God. It is an act of humble humility. This is Praise. Again, nothing wrong with that, but just go look in the Bible. But today, we've got this idea of worship being this praise. No, I think this is praise. Worship is obeying God, humbling yourself, putting yourself in that servant position, understanding what He has done and your place in this. The commandments are so important. but We don't see that today. We've lost that. But yet the New Testament is surrounding these commandments in so many ways. It goes on here in Deuteronomy. Mercy is shown to those who love me and keep my commandments. Not just those who love him who say, yeah, I know Jesus. Today we have this idea that you become a Christian by saying a prayer. Then you're in like Flynn, right? Right? Guys, Christianity isn't like a flu shot. Hey, I did that. I got inoculated. That's not what it is. Okay, It says, it's shown to those who love me. How do you know if you love him? Jesus even said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. That's in direct connection and consistency with the book of Deuteronomy. The very place that mark of the beast goes, as I said, is where the mark of the commandments are placed. On our head and on our hand. And I think why is because the head is where, it's the meditation of our mind. It's that thought process. What, What is in your thought process throughout the day? You want to know who you serve? Ask yourself, where are my thought processes? Do you meditate on God's commandments throughout the day? Now, I'm not thinking it has to be okay. Number one is this. Number two is that. I'm talking about do you meditate upon God throughout your day and say, no, I am going to say no to that. There's a a beautiful woman over there. I am going to say no. I'm not going to give my flesh that lust Okay, or greed. Are you thinking about money and getting rich? Is that where your thoughts are at? Maybe it's on pornography. Maybe it's on um, uh, food constantly. Because food is your God. I mean, it could be a thousand and one different things, but my question to you is where is your thoughts, your heart? What is it focused on? Maybe it's revenge and anger, bitterness. Maybe it's pride. But you want to know whom you serve? Ask yourself that question. Because that is where the mark of the commandments or the mark of the devil is at. It's on your hands where you serve. Who are you serving? And your mind, your, your head, where you think. Romans 6 says this, and I love this verse. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are a slave of the one you obey? whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. In other words, you want to know who you belong to? You want to know who you are a slave of? Who is your master? You are a slave to the one you obey. If you are obeying the commandments of God, that means you are a slave of God. You belong to Him. It leads to righteousness. But if you are a slave to this world and to the flesh and all the things that they offer you, maybe you need to go home and you need to repent. Because you are a slave to the one whom you obey. And that is what the devil wanted to do, is he wanted to get Adam and Eve to disobey God in obedience to him. Disobedience to the commandments so important. You want to talk about identity. That's what you're going to find when they're t- your kids today talking about the races and where they came from and who, who do you come from. You want to know who you come from? You got one or two guys because if you're not serving the devil or serving God, you're serving the devil. That's it. There is no else. It's either God or the devil. Those are the two choices of whom you are obeying. Even an atheist who says there is no God, maybe they even say there is no devil. They're serving the devil. They're serving the lie. In Revelation 12, 17, it says, Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring. Those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Now keep in mind, this is in the book of Revelation. This is a future thing. The the dragon goes after who? The woman. Who's, who's the devil go after in the garden? The woman. And guys, this is going to begin something that I think is going to blow your mind. There is a reason the devil went after Eve, a very good reason. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow. But you see, he despises the woman. Now, here in Revelation, the woman is a picture of Israel, the church, the bride. So who is the rest of her offspring? I believe it's those that are grafted into the church, right? It's those who obey God. Those who say, yes, I choose to obey you. They have the mark of God. They think about God. They serve God. Oh, they're not perfect. They're sinners, like me, but they obey the commandments of God. Their heart is to obey, just like Paul said. The good that I don't want to do, I keep on doing. He said, who can save me? Who can can rescue this body of death? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus my Lord. Even Paul said that he couldn't keep the commandments. So I want to make that very clear. I'm not talking about being perfect so that you're a good Christian. I can't say that enough. What I'm talking about is who do you serve in your heart? When you watch that pornography, are you, are you conscious stricken? Do you hate it? When you lose your temper, are you frustrated with yourself? Are you angry with yourself? Or do you just write it off and justify it? Okay, when we serve somebody, it's what's going on in the heart, and the mind. Big difference. But, Satan goes after the woman. Note here in verse 1, The first thing that he says to the woman is this. Did God really say? What is that? That is an attack on the commandments of God. That's the very first thing he did. Did God really say? In essence, he's calling God a liar. He's the father of lies, the devil is. And right out of the gate, this is what he does. And this is what I hear people saying all the time. Did God really say he created this earth in six 24-hour days? Are you sure? Because science says this. Are you sure? Because I learned this in school. I saw this on TV. Never is it because the Bible says. Did God really say? Yeah, you see, that's the point. Did God say? Not did your science teacher. And again, I'm not saying science doesn't support the Bible. I believe it does. Most of you just don't know those answers yet because you haven't done the research. But they're there if you care enough to take the time. But most people don't take the time. They're just like, "Well, I heard this," and they're looking at all, they're weighing everything except for the word of God. Everything Satan does, everything is to challenge the commandments of God, to get you to compromise on those commandments. Hebrews 4:12 says that there is a power in the word of God, guys, that I cannot explain. I don't understand it, but I've seen it. And I know it to be true, and the Bible says it to be true. There's a power that is in that word that the demons shudder. They flee. I'm sure we've all heard examples of people you know, in the name of Jesus, commanding and and, and it leaves, or, or people being raped and they call on Jesus and the rapist stops, or all kinds of things that we can find to give you examples of that. But the only thing that really matters isn't the experiences that we've heard about, it's what the Bible says. You see, even Jesus used the Word of God for the devil. Now, Eve tries. Eve tries to use it, okay, but... Remember Matthew chapter 4? When Jesus is taken out into the wilderness, he hasn't eaten anything for 40 days. And Jesus comes to him, or the devil comes to Jesus to tempt him. And how does Jesus respond to the devil? He says, if you really are God, why don't you turn these stones to bread? Because you've been fasting for 40 days. I'm pretty sure you're hungry. God says, it is written, man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He takes the devil to the scriptures. What's it do? It silences the devil. What's the devil do? He comes back again. He tries something else. If you really are the son of God, I'll give you all these kingdoms. It is written. If you are the son of God, throw yourself off of this pinnacle of the temple. It is written. Jesus keeps going Giving him the word of God to fight this battle. He does it over and over until the devil leaves for good. That's the problem, guys. You can't give up. You know, we think Christianity, oh, I said the sinner's prayer, now I'm a Christian, and, and so now the devil's gonna leave me alone. Uh-uh. Now he's gonna come after you and and hard. And you've got to use the word against him. And you try it and go, oh, it didn't work. Do it again. Still didn't work. Do it again. Still didn't work. Do it again. And you keep doing it. This is called the perseverance of the saints. Like I said the other night, guys, this is a war. It is a battle. War is not easy. Christianity is hard. Oh, but it's a joy. But it's hard. It's hard work. And the devil is going to continue to come after you and after you and after you. And so you keep giving him the word. That is the key. The word is what's going to help you discern truth. Do you remember the story of Jacob and Esau? and, and, And really even when... Jacob tricks Esau, but kind of Isaac at the same time when Esau's out hunting, and so he wants the blessing. So his mother Rebecca says, You go in, and here's some goat skin to cover yourself to pretend to be Esau. He goes into Isaac, and Isaac is like, Who is this? He said, It's Esau, your son. Now, here's the amazing thing about this story to me he feels Esau. He smells Esau because Jacob's wearing Esau's clothes. He tastes Esau's game. Really, it's Rebecca's food. a Good recipe, apparently. Every one of his senses is telling him, yes, this is what I want, because his heart said, I want to bless Esau. He's my favorite. I want this. My emotions want this bad. But there was one thing... That was nagging him to give him truth. What was it? The voice of Jacob. The word that he heard was the only thing that was screaming truth. All of his emotions, all of the outside experiences were screaming, Yep, this is good, this is good, I'm gonna get what I want. But the word that he heard, the word, is where you find discernment. We can find story after story in the scriptures about this. Do you remember there was a prophet of Judah and he went when Jeroboam is king and God tells him to go and pronounce against this altar that Jeroboam had built. And he goes and he pronounces this curse upon the altar and a guy named Josiah is going to come and have bones on you. And the king, Jeroboam, says, Seize him. And as he does, his arm begins to wither. And the king is like, "Ah," and he prays, help me, help me. And so this prophet of God heals his arm. And then the king says, okay, I'm sorry. Why don't you come back to my house? I'll give you some food. And he says, no, God told me that I'm to go to Bethel, and I'm not to eat in this place, I'm not to drink in this place, and I'm not to go home the same way that I came Well, there's other people who see this amazing thing going on. They go back, and it says there was another old man, another prophet of God. And his boys tell him this, and they say, what happened? And he tells them the whole story, and the old prophet says, well, where'd he go? And he says, he went that way. And he says, quick, saddle my donkey. So the old prophet gets on his donkey, and he goes to to this prophet of God. And he says, come to my place to eat. He says, I can't. God said, I'm not supposed to eat in this place. I'm not supposed to drink in this place. And I'm not supposed to go home the same way I came. And he says, I too am a prophet of God. And God told me to come and get you. And take you to feed you. I'll bet the guy was hungry. He hasn't had anything to eat or drink. So he goes with him. After he's done eating. What happens? God comes to the old prophet and says, You tell him he's now going to die. He's not going to be buried with his father. So, saddles up his donkey. The prophet of Judah starts heading home. And a lion comes out, kills him. The old prophet hears about this. He goes on his donkey to go find out. Sure enough, the lion is still sitting there. The donkey is untouched, right next to the lion. And the prophet is dead. And so he brings that prophet back and buries him there. It's fulfilled. And you think, Man, that poor guy... Here was a prophet of God telling him what to do. You see, sometimes God will test us. You see, the word said, don't eat, don't drink, don't go home the same way you came. And then there were outside people, pastors, telling you, it's okay to do this, right? Tell you what, I can go to probably more churches than not, that I can find pastors that are telling you things you shouldn't be doing. Telling you it's okay to do or believe things you shouldn't be believing. The only way to keep from being distracted or lied to, to go astray, is to go to the word that we hear. The word that is heard. That is what keeps us on track. The prophet knew what God's word was. Anybody who's going to come and tell you otherwise... A red flag ought to go up. Something's wrong because I know what God's word said, and I could give you many examples in Scripture. These things where you go lighten up, God. Uzzah, the ark stumbles. You know the oxen stumble stumble when they're bringing the ark in. First of all, it wasn't supposed to be on an ark or on an ox uh, cart, but Uzzah reaches out to help God out. God kills him. It's like that poor guy. Listen to the Word of God. It's not about you justifying it. It's not about you understanding it. It's about God and His Word, period. Whether you understand it, whether you like it, whether it makes sense, doesn't make a difference. What matters is it's His Word, and we do it regardless. And there are a lot of people out there that are giving us Things that maybe our emotions want. Just like Isaac, he wanted to bless Esau. It smells good. It tastes good. It feels good. But it's not what the Word says it's supposed to be. You see, the power of the Word of God, it says in Hebrews 4.12, it penetrates between bone and marrow, soul and spirit. We need that Word. Remember, I think it was the first or second day I told you that You know, why did God set that tree of life in the garden right next to the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Because God is giving you a choice to worship him or to worship the devil. You get to choose. You get to choose this day whom you will follow. In Deuteronomy, it was God who said, Today I set before you blessings and curses. You get to choose which one. That's why we have these two trees. The devil though, I'll tell you this, he is always going to come as an angel of light in a facade to try and make you feel good, to make make some sense, to, to make it be justifiable. But I'll tell you one thing that he cannot do. He cannot take away your choice, your freedom to choose. That's the one thing the devil cannot do. Note in verse 2, Eve does bring out the word. She says, when he says, did God really say? She says, well, God did say, I'm not supposed to eat of this tree. But then, that was it. She brought it out once, but then she allowed somebody to lie to her to convince her of something else. This is why the scripture says, but he who endures to the end will be saved. You see, Christianity and the obedience of God following his word, it takes endurance, especially in our society today. I'm amazed at how many Christians support homosexuality today. Why? Because society has lied to them and convinced them that, well, we got to love them. Hey, I'm all about loving them. I've got a brother who's a practicing homosexual, and I love him with all my heart. But I'll tell you what, I am not going to tolerate his sin. And I wouldn't tolerate my brother who was going to live with a girlfriend either. I'll love him, but I'm not going to tolerate that sin. You see, we've got a mixed-up view of what love is today. Love isn't tolerating. Love is standing up for the truth and trying to protect. In verse 4, Satan goes in and he removes the fear of God. In chapter 3, verse 4, he says, first he says, did God really say he plants that seed of doubt? And then he says this, you're not going to die. God knows That if you eat of this tree, you're going to be like him, knowing good and evil. So the next thing he does is he says, no, there's no need to be afraid. He strips the fear of God away. You know what else has been removed in our churches today? The fear of God. He's just our buddy. I'll tell you what, any one of you guys, if even President Obama, whether you like him or not... When he was president, if you came, or Trump right now, who of you would go, hey, dude, how's it going? Good to see you, pound dog, you know? No, you'd like. hey, nice to, you'd be on your best behavior, very respectful. But yet today, we have this attitude that God is just some, hey, dude, buddy, nice to see you, right? He is my friend. But I'll tell you something, he is God. And we, even as saints in Christ, delivered and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, should have a healthy fear of God. And that is what Satan strips right here. You don't need to be afraid. You're not going to die. It's okay. It's okay to keep living your life the way you are, it's okay to keep watching that pornography, it's okay to keep doing those drugs because you're saved by grace. No fear of God anymore. Proverbs 16:6 6 says, In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. Or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If one wants to attack Christianity today, If I was the devil, one of the best things I would do, the easiest things, is take away the fear of God. And that is what Satan has told the churches today. You're not going to die. It's easy. Deuteronomy 31, 10 through 11 says this. It, It really shows us how to keep that fear of the Lord. Moses commanded them at the end of every seven years, even the year for canceling debts, during the festival of tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place you will choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and children, foreigners residing in your towns. Why? So they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. Your children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Now maybe some of you say, yeah, that's Old Testament though. It's no different, folks. It is absolutely no different. What does Jesus talk about? He talks about the laws. As a matter of fact, if anything, he made it even more fearful. Do you remember in Matthew when he gives the beatitudes, the blessings... We love to make nice gospel sermons out of the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, right? And 6. Blessed are the peacemakers, right? For they will be called sons of God. All of this kind of thing. Do you also hear what he says prior? He's saying this. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Can you imagine hearing that message? That'd be like me saying, unless you are more righteous than the best pastor you can think of, the most righteous man you can think of, you can't get to heaven. Is that going to make you feel like, oh, I love this Christianity stuff? Or is that going to put some fear of God in you? You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. Bob's over there. Yeah, didn't do that like uh, Rob over there. But I tell you, if you even look lustfully at a woman, you commit adultery with her in your heart. He's like, Mm -hmm. If anything, Jesus took the commandments and he elevated them. And he says, you see, it's not just a matter of what you're doing. It's a matter of what's in your heart. Who are you serving? This isn't just an Old Testament thing. It is a New Testament thing as well. We are to have a healthy fear of God. And if we live willingly obedient to the commandments of God, you should be scared to death. We should be. You know... This is what the devil has wanted to remove from the churches, and I think he's done a good job of doing it. Isaiah 8.20 says, To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. If there's a church not bringing the law of God, it's another Jesus. It's another Jesus. Now, I understand this has got to be rubbing some of you wrong. Because this is what we're hearing from our society time and time again. That the law, Jesus fulfilled it for us. He did. Yes, he did. Don't go so far one end and now go back to the other end of this law. There's truth in what you've been taught. Jesus has fulfilled the law for me. Amen. I can't be a good Christian, but we must This is why in 1 Corinthians it says, examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. What do we have to examine? Did I say the sinner's prayer? Oh yeah, I did say that. Okay, good. That's not what he's talking about. Examine your heart. Who are you serving? Jeremiah 23 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, they say, no evil shall come upon you. You go ahead and do what you want. Do you know what one of the, the main verses, the John three sixteen of the Satanic Bible is? Do what thou wilt. That is the sum of the law. That's the Satanic Bible. But you know what? I hear that in a different form in the churches today. Do whatever you want. That's the sum of the law because God loves you. Right? No. Do what God commands. Okay? I am thankful that Jesus has fulfilled that because I'll tell you, I broke every one of those commandments. I'm not a good person. And nor are you. But Jesus is good and I am so thankful that my identity isn't a race from the Tower of Babel like African American or Hispanic or Caucasian my identity because of Jesus is a saint in Christ Jesus why because I have broken all those commands I did deserve hell but Jesus Christ came to die on that cross and I'll tell you tomorrow you're gonna this is gonna be so clear tomorrow Tomorrow's my favorite one of all of these. I've been telling you that. Trust me. You will love tomorrow. But when he came, he took the curse that I deserved and he took it upon himself. And that means that now I am a saint. I'm a sheep. Now, sometimes I act like a goat. But I'm still a sheep because of who God has made me through Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you something. Those times that I act like a goat, I hate it. I hate it. And that's what Paul said. The good that I want to do, I don't. I hate that stuff. We're all going to act like goats at times. Every one of us. But God has made our identity a sheep through Jesus Christ. If You indeed are a sheep. What do I mean by that? I I can't answer that. That's your answer. What's in your heart? Are you living in disobedience to God, serving the devil willingly, without guilt, without repentance? Or do you sometimes act like a goat and you hate it? That's the difference between someone who is saved and someone who is not. I'll close with this. I'm out of time. Satan's approach that he uses on Eve is the same one that he's using on us in the church today. One, question command of God. Did God really say? Is God's word accurate? Are you sure? Is this earth young? Did dinosaurs really roam with people? Okay? Uh, do you really have to obey God's commandments? Whatever. Number two, he strips out the fear of God. No, you're not gonna die. Okay? God's a liar. There's wisdom out there. You, too, can be like God. Okay? Don't let anybody put you down. You are special. You, too, can be a God in this earth, right? Puffs us up with pride. You know, you don't need to be saved. You're doing pretty well on your own. All those lies. And three, he tells the truth, but only in part. He always uses a little bit of truth. He says, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. You know what? I am like God. Because I have been made in his image. Because he has made me an heir with Christ. A co-heir with Christ, right? I am like God. Satan said, you're going to know good and evil. He just didn't say, you, you, you don't want to know what evil is. You guys want to keep your children as close to the Garden of Eden as possible in a fallen world? don't let them know evil. Don't introduce them to evil. Because what was the paradise? Not knowing evil. Knowing good is a good thing, but knowing evil, it's awful. Right? Keep that innocence in your children. But today, we've got parents trying to introduce them to all the evil they can. Right? And we even warn them. And I think there's a place for that. Don't get me wrong. Again, don't let that pendulum go too far one way or the other. But the bottom line is is protect your children from the evils of this world. Train them up in the fear of God. Tra- read that word on a daily basis in your homes. Why? So that they will fear the Lord their God. So that they will know Him. And they will not turn from Him. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your word. Most of all, Lord, we've seen that we, we do fear you, but yet only as I would fear my loving Father. And I am grateful that we have freedom in Christ and that among that fear I also have such a deep joy, a peace, a calm, a salvation because of what Christ has done where I could not. Thank you for that. Thank you for giving me an identity that is sure. In Jesus' name, amen.